let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Once long ago, before Ghana was a nation, before any of us were born, the great and only God, Jehovah, had all wisdom and he kept it in a pot. God would give out wisdom to men when they came and asked him humbly. Well, one day, Anansi the spider decided that he wanted to get the wisdom from God. So he went to God and told him, I will keep the wisdom and give it out to men everywhere. Well, God knew exactly what would happen. He wasn't fooled by Anansi's trickster ways. But God is sovereign and he saw the end from the beginning. He knew that he could use even Anansi's trickster ways for his own purposes. So God gave the pot of wisdom to Anansi. Well, we all know that Anansi had no intention of sharing the wisdom with anyone. He wanted to keep it to himself so that he alone had all wisdom and he would become king of the earth. So Anansi decided to hide the pot of wisdom way up high in the top of a siva tree where no one could find it. He would be the only one who would know where it was and he would go there and get wisdom anytime he needed it. So he tied a rope around the pot and hung the pot in front of him and started to climb the Siba tree. But no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't climb the tree with the pot in front. He would try to climb, cra, 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 but he would slide back down. Just then, Anansi's son, Intikuma, happened to be passing. Intikuma stood and watched his father try and fail, try and fail, and finally Intikuma said, Father, why don't you shift the pot to the back so that you can climb the Siba tree? Well, Anansi thought that was a good idea, so he shifted the pot to the back and he quickly climbed the tree to to the top. Hooray! shouted Intikuma. Didn't I tell you what to do? Well, when Anansi heard this, he wasn't too happy. He realized that he did not have all the wisdom himself. After all, Intikuma had some wisdom as well. And then he began to realize that if people heard this story, they will praise Intikuma for his wisdom and they will laugh at him. Eh, Anansi had a pot of wisdom, but he had no wisdom in his head. Hey! The more he thought about this, the angrier he got. He got angrier and angrier till he took the pot of wisdom and threw it to the ground and it shattered in a thousand pieces. Wisdom began to flow out everywhere and the noise made such a commotion, people began to run to see what was happening. Old women came from the market Men came from the farm, boys came from the football pitch, girls came from the school, and when they got there, they saw wisdom flowing, and everybody came and picked some wisdom, and wisdom spread to all people everywhere, from Tema to Tamale, from India to Zambia. And we can all pick some wisdom today as well. We can pick wisdom from the fable of Anansi, for you see... If you have all wisdom, but you don't apply it to your life, are you wise or foolish? And if you have wisdom, but you also have a selfish heart, are you really wise? After all, what exactly is wisdom? And where do we get it from? And what are the implications of wisdom in our lives? All these questions and more will be answered this morning in our sermon entitled, Wisdom. But before we go further, let's bow our heads and pray for wisdom. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, your children in need. We need your wisdom. But you said if any man asks for wisdom, you will give it liberally and upbraid us not. So we come humbly to say, 
teach us today. Teach us what is wisdom. Teach us what it means. Teach us how to apply it to our lives and show us the path that we will walk on when we have wisdom. We submit to you now, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to give us light and life and love and grace to obey and wisdom. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment this morning. Join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome once again to Agape House. It's great to have you here as we continue our sermon series, The Favor Factor. As we've been studying the topic of favor, we realize that favor is available to everybody from God. Favor is something that we can obtain when we follow the right steps. You see, favor is not a mystery. Favor doesn't come by chance. The Bible gives us specific factors that we can incorporate into our lives that will attract the favor of God. For example, in week one, we learned that faith brings God's favor. We saw that when you have a big vision and you pray bold prayers and you take brave action, God will bless you with favor. He will open doors and elevate your life to a new level of impact and meaning. Then in week two, we learned that God surrounds the righteous with favor. The Bible says it will be before you, behind you, on your right, your left, above and beneath. You'll be in a cocoon of God's favor when you walk in righteousness. And that brings us to our third favor factor, wisdom. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we've printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. So go ahead and take them out and follow along with me as we discover the truth about wisdom and how it brings God's favor. There at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today, two verses from Proverbs 8, 1 and 35. I want us to read it out loud to together. Read it with faith. Read it like you mean it. If you believe it, say amen. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Listen as wisdom calls out. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, when you think about it, this is a verse that needs two different groups of people to read it properly. One is the narrator and one is wisdom. So I'm going to say that from the camera, the middle section here, all the way over, you guys are the narrator, all right? Just lift your hand and say, I'm the narrator, all right? And you guys from the camera over this way, you guys are all wisdom. Everybody say, I'm wisdom. Oh, don't get jealous. Let them be wisdom. It's just, it's just, it's, it, no, no, no. All right, so we're going to read it in two parts. The narrator says, listen as wisdom calls out. And then the next verses, the next word, are what wisdom actually says. So are you ready? First the narrator, and then immediately they finish wisdom. You have to cry out, and you know what you're going to say. Whoever finds me finds life. All right, are you ready? All right, tie your belt, tie your wrapper. Here we go. Narrator, go. Wisdom cries out. Wisdom is calling. Ago, ago, ago. If you find me, you find life. If you find me, you will get favor. Wisdom is crying out to everybody. But our scripture says you have to find wisdom. You have to answer wisdom's call. 
So today, let's discover how to answer wisdom's call. And to help us, we're going to study the story of the wise men, hello, and the wisdom that attracts God's favor. Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea when Herod was king. After Jesus' birth, wise men, everybody say wise men. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They asked, where is the one who was born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod and all Jerusalem heard about this, they became disturbed. He called together all the chief priests and the experts in scripture and tried to find out from them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem, in Judea. After the wise men heard this, they left. They saw the same star they had seen in the east and they followed it. The wise men came to the house where the child was with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their boxes of gifts they had brought for him. They gave him treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I don't know about you, but I love this story. It's a famous story. We read it every Christmas. It's a story about Christmas, of how Jesus was born, and men came from afar to worship him. But it's not just a Christmas story. It's more than this. This story is actually a road map for wisdom. Because if we can discover what made the wise men wise, we can follow their example and become wise as well. So ask your neighbor, what made the wise men wise? wise. And today, let's discover that. Here's your first truth. What made the wise men wise was that wisdom aligns with God's thoughts. Listen to how the story begins in verse 2. They said, we saw his star rising and have come to worship him. So understand that they saw a star and they followed it. They saw a prophetic revelation. They had a supernatural spiritual encounter. This was a miraculous sign. This was like a prophecy or a dream or a vision or an angelic visitation. And we we all know how we all love supernatural encounters. I don't know about you, but give me a good prophecy any day of the week. Give me a good sign, a good angel visit. I love it. Amen. But here's what made the wise men wise. It wasn't just that they had spiritual revelation. They went deeper. They approached the revelation with the question, what is God thinking? They harnessed the power of the prophetic to access the mind of God. So after seeing the revelation, they went to Jerusalem to inquire from the word of God. And so they called together the professors of theology and the scripture experts and all the people who knew the, the truth. And they came and asked them, what is the meaning of this star? And it says in verse four, he called together all the chief priests, the experts in scriptures to try to find out where the Messiah would be born. So the wise men had a supernatural revelation and then they sought God's thoughts through his word. For the fact is, the more you receive God's thoughts, the more you align with it, the more wisdom you have, the more favor you walk in. Wisdom is more than a prophetic voice. It's more than revelation. It's more than a dream or a vision or a spiritual experience. Wisdom always involves seeking God's word to align your thoughts with his thoughts. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Favor doesn't come by prophetic declaration. Favor is an outcome of aligning with God. 
You can have supernatural revelation, but all supernatural revelation must be measured by God's word. It does no good to run here and there seeking the word of God from a prophet when you ignore the word of God in your Bible. Hello. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. See, friends, you cannot get wisdom by prophetic revelation alone. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love prophecy. I love words and dreams and visions and angelic visitations. Great, bring it on. But everything we experience must be measured by God's word. For the word of God is the foundation and the basis for every spiritual experience. That's why 1 John 5, 7 says, There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So the Word and the Holy Spirit are one. They always agree. So in order to understand the spirit, you have to study the word of God. Otherwise you will go astray. This reminds me of the woman who started having dreams. She woke up one night. She'd had a dream that in her dream, her husband had given her a gold necklace. So she woke her husband in excitement, said, I had a dream. You gave me a gold necklace. What does my dream mean? Then the husband said, well, Valentine's Day is on Tuesday. Let's wait and see what happens then. The next night she dreamt again. This time in her dream, the husband gave her a diamond necklace. She woke up and said, my dear, I have dreamt that you gave me a diamond necklace. What does the dream mean? He said, don't worry, Valentine's Day is coming and you will know. The third night she woke with another dream. This time he gave her a pearl necklace. See, she was so excited. She woke the husband. My dear, I dreamt you gave me a pearl necklace. What's the revelation mean? He said, don't worry, on Valentine's Day you will know all the meanings of the dreams. And sure enough, on Valentine's Day, he came home with a very big, heavy box, gift wrapped. She was so excited. Was it the gold? Was it the diamonds? Was it the pearls? Was it all three? She ripped off the gift wrap and opened the box and she got the shock of her life. For there inside the package was not the gold, the pearls, or the diamonds. There was a book. A book. She turned to the husband and said, what? 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 Why did you give me a book? The husband kept quiet. He pointed to the book, and there he showed her the title. And the title of the book was How to Interpret Dreams. You can't use your own reasoning to understand the prophetic. Here at Agape House, we believe in prophecy. We believe in dreams and visions. And we believe that every single manifestation of the Spirit must align with the Word of God. If a dream or a vision or a prophecy or a spiritual practice doesn't align with the Word of God, we reject it. And many of us are going astray because we use our own mind to interpret God's uh, dreams and visions rather than using it as a catalyst to seek understanding from his word. Don't speculate on the meaning of your dream. Don't speculate on what the prophecy means. We believe the Bible from cover to cover, and we even believe the cover when it says Holy Bible. And what made the wise men wise was they sought the mind of God through the word of God based upon their revelation. For wisdom is alignment with God's thinking. We must adjust our focus and adjust our thinking to God 
God's focus and God's thinking. That's what God himself tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. He says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So understand that wisdom doesn't come automatically. You have to move your mind to align. Just tell your neighbor, move your mind. You will never have wisdom till you align your thinking with God's thinking. God's thoughts don't come automatically. You won't learn them at UG or UPSA. You can't read them in any other book but the Bible. You have to download God's thoughts to your mind and move your mind to align with his word. For perspective changes everything. Once there was a very rich man from here in Ghana who died and went to heaven. He had been a gold miner in Ghana, and he had a lot of gold stored. So when he died, he decided he would take the gold with him. He had trunks and trunks of gold, and he carried them to heaven. But when he got to the gate of heaven, he met St. Peter, and St. Peter refused to allow him to bring the gold into heaven. Well, an argument ensued, and the man insisted, I want to bring my gold, and Peter was denying him. Finally, Peter said this, I do not understand why you want to bring ordinary paving stone into heaven. And then the gates of heaven opened, and the man saw miles and miles and miles of streets paved with gold. For in heaven, what we value here on earth is nothing more than ordinary paving stone. And he dropped his gold and entered heaven. Perspective changes everything. And if you could see what God sees, you would dry your tears today. If you could see what God sees, you would laugh today. For the values of this life are not the values of eternity. And aligning with God's thinking changes everything. It gives you an eternal focus and an eternal perspective that opens you to the favor of God. That's why the Bible admonishes us in Romans 12 to let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. So when you align with God's thoughts, it changes you. When you align with God's thoughts, you gain understanding, you gain wisdom, you gain perspective, you experience what is good and pleasing to God when you align with this thoughts. That's why 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. So just say to your mind today, mind, I command you, obey Christ. Mind, I command you to align with God's truth. So the first thing that made the wise men wise is they aligned their thinking to God's thinking. Then secondly, they acted on God's truth for wisdom acts on God's truth. Listen to the second truth about the wise men in verse 9. After the wise men heard the king, they left. They saw the same star they had seen in the east and they followed it. Tell your neighbor they followed it. The star went before them until it stopped above the place where Christ was. So first, they aligned their thinking with God's. Then secondly, they acted 
acted on God's truth. And the same thing applies to all of us today. You have to go beyond agreeing with God's word to acting on God's word. In fact, agreeing on God's word and believing God's word and listening to God's word without acting upon it is the worst kind of wickedness in the world. For James 4.17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Many of us can quote the Bible chapter and verse, but how many of us live the Bible we quote? Don't you know the devil himself can quote scripture? When he came to tempt Jesus, he quoted the word of God to Jesus himself. But wisdom goes beyond that. Wisdom is acting on God's truth. It does no good to know the Bible and not obey it. It does no good to quote the Bible and not follow it. It does no good to preach the Bible and teach the Bible to other people without doing what God says. You will never have the favor of God when you listen and disobey. That's why Romans 2 says this, well then, you who teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal. Do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. When you Break the law of God, you lose the favor of God. That's the lesson we can learn from the story of a young man named Kobe. Kobe attended a small church here in Ghana. He wasn't very active in the church, but there was one thing Kobe was very active in. Anytime he came on Sunday and the pastor was preaching, Kobe was very vocal. When the pastor was preaching, Kobe would stand up and say, tell them, tell them. If the pastor preached on repentance, Kobe would stand and shout, tell them. If the pastor preached against fornication or stealing, or lying, Kobe would stand and clap and shout, tell them. The problem was Kobe was the one who needed to listen to the word of God. And as time went by, the pastor began to discover that Kobe's life was not very good. In fact, of all people in the church, he needed the message more than anybody. So the pastor started praying for an opportunity to let Kobe know the word of God was supposed to be applied to him. Well, God's so kind, one Wednesday night, when the church was to have life night Bible study. The sky grew dark. Rain began to fall and the wind began to blow and nobody came to church except the pastor and Kobe. The pastor was excited. He said, now's my chance. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to preach to him. I'm going to make sure he knows the message is for him. So when the sermon time came, the pastor stood and he preached. He preached about repentance. He preached against lying. He preached against hypocrisy. He preached the word of God. For one hour he preached and Kobe sat there quiet. Never once did he say, tell them. The pastor was so excited. He said, ah, today I have told him, I have told him. <laughs> they closed the service and the pastor went to make sure that Kobe understood the message was for him. But he got the shock of his life. Kobe said, pastor, that was a great sermon. It is only unfortunate that the people who needed to hear didn't come to know. Hey, tell your neighbor, tell them. <laughs> it's not enough to hear the truth. It's not enough to know the truth. You have to apply the truth. 
your life. And we can see this so clearly in our scripture story about the wise men. They had supernatural revelation and they followed it. They searched the scriptures to align their minds with God's word. And then they acted on the word of God. They followed the star and they met Jesus. And the reward was they met Jesus in person. The wise men were rewarded. They came into the presence of the almighty savior. They were among the first people in history to worship the physical presence of Jesus on earth. We still talk about them today. We read about them. Every Christmas, we honor them. We call them wise men. Their impact continues to today. But the funny thing is that there were thousands of other people in Jerusalem who had the same information and did nothing. There were thousands of other people who heard the same prophecy. They knew that Christ would be born in Bethlehem, but they sat in their chair and did nothing. Where was Herod? Where were the experts? Where were the prophets, the priests, and the pastors? They were sitting in Jerusalem debating among themselves, but the wise men acted on God's word, and they went to worship. They told the wise men what to do, but they did nothing themselves. And there's a lesson for all of us in the story of the wise men. You may have all the knowledge of the world. You may tell other people what to do. You can read the Bible and pray in tongues. But if you don't act on the word of God, you're not wise. You're foolish. Do you tell your children to respect you because you're their mother? Do you respect your husband? You tell your junior workers to come on time and do their job. Do you come on time and do your job? You protest against the thieving criminals in government. You angry because they steal. Do you steal? Because it does no good to tell others what you yourself won't do. That's why James 1.22 says, do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you are fooling yourselves. So foolishness results when you only sit and listen. But favor comes when you align with God's thinking and act on God's truth. Many years ago, there was an old man who had acres and acres of farmland. It was family land. But unfortunately, as time went by, he got old and fell sick. And on his deathbed, he called his two sons to give them a message. He said, my sons, there is a rich treasure in our family land. I don't have much cash to leave you, but I leave you the family land. And there's great treasure on it. If you search for it diligently, it will be yours. With his parting breath, he said, don't leave the land. Don't sell the land. There's treasure in the land. And then the man died. Well, as soon as they had buried their father, the two brothers set to work. They believed their father. They believed there was treasure in the land. So they went out to look for a box of gold or silver or diamonds. They took shovels and they dug everywhere from one corner to the next, from the beginning to the end. They turned up all the land, but for all their effort, after weeks of work, they found nothing. And finally, after two weeks, the younger brother was disgusted. I quit, he said. There's no treasure in this land. I'm going to Accra where I can get real money. The older brother said, but our father said, don't leave the land. Don't go. Please stay here with me. I'm sure we can find it. The brother said, no, I'm tired. I want to go to Accra. So he left. 
The older brother stood there alone with a tear in his eye. He went out and looked at the land they turned over with their shovels, and he felt sad. But then a thought came to him. Maybe, maybe we misunderstood our father. Maybe we didn't understand what he was really telling us. The brother walked over to the old farmer's shed and saw the tools of his father, pulled them out and cleaned them. Then he went to the market and bought some seed and came back. The land had already been tilled and prepared, so he sowed the seed and planted the crop, and the crop became mighty and powerful. And he took it to the market and sold it and make a huge profit. He and his brother had dug up the land looking for treasure. But the treasure their father left them wasn't silver or gold in a box. The treasure was an outcome of cultivating the land and sowing seeds. The right response brought a harvest of blessing and favor. There's a treasure in your life, but it may not look like what you think. There's a treasure open to you from God, but it may not come the way you expect. You have to align with God's thinking and act on his truth. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Favor doesn't come by chance. Favor is an outcome of acting on God's truth. You will receive favor from God when you consistently choose to act on his truth. In fact, you will increase in wisdom. You will increase in favor the more you align with God's thinking and the more you do what he says. Listen to Psalm 119. I am wiser than all my teachers. I'm wiser than all my professors at UG, Wisconsin, and UPS. I'm wiser than the corporate experts in God. I'm wiser than all my teachers because your written instructions are in my thoughts. I have more wisdom than those with many years of experience. I have more wisdom than those in government. I have more wisdom than those in the banking industry. I have more wisdom than the judges because I have obeyed your guiding principles. I've kept my feet from walking on any evil path in order to obey your word. And God promises you today, he will pour out wisdom. He will pour out favor. He will pour out blessing. The more wisdom you have, the more favor you have. And great wisdom will lead to great favor. And that brings us to our third truth today. Wisdom advances God's agenda. That's what we see as we come to the end of the story of the wise men. In verse 11, it says, the wise man came to the house where the child was with his mother Mary. They bowed down and were Worshipped him. Then they opened the boxes of gifts they had brought for him. They gave him treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And consider the implications of this verse. The wise men aligned with God's thoughts. They acted according to his truth. And then they began to advance God's kingdom. They came into the presence of Jesus and worshipped him. For this was God's plan. God's plan was that man should worship him. And then they gave him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's something amazing in that passage. For when they gave gifts, those gifts provided the financial means for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus and escape to Egypt when Herod came 
looking for his life. It was the gifts the wise men gave that enabled Joseph and Mary to hire the camel to take Jesus and save him. In fact, every one of us here today owes these wise men a debt of gratitude for Joseph and Mary would not have escaped to Egypt with Jesus except for the gifts. The wise men were used by God to save the Savior who saves us. That's why wisdom is advancing God's agenda. When you align with his thoughts and do what he says, you accelerate your life into a new level of impact and favor. When you align with his thoughts and act on his truth, you begin advancing God's kingdom. You begin making a permanent generational impact. You become someone who affects eternity. That's why Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. But you see, when you align with God's thoughts, you suddenly start to realize what really matters in life. When you align with God's thoughts, you realize that well, this life is temporary, is, is a vapor, is a breath, but God's kingdom is eternal. When you gain wisdom, you would advance his agenda because you see that's the only thing that lasts. True riches, true blessings, true favor, don't come from the material possessions we have. They come from pursuing God's agenda and making an eternal impact, laying treasures in heaven. You may think that money or possessions or pleasures will bring you fulfillment in life, but the fact is things can never bring you true satisfaction. Our fulfillment in life only comes when we pursue God's agenda and embrace his purpose. For Ephesians 2.10 says, we are created, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So put your hand on your chest and say, I was created for good works. And what matters is not the size of your bank account, but the fulfillment of your purpose. If you have full pockets, but an empty heart, you will never have peace in this life. You may be rich in worldly goods, but you'll be poor in spirit. For Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Many years ago, two baby boys were born on the same day in the same hour at Corlebu. They laid them in the maternity ward side by side. Both of them were newborn. Both of them were naked. Both of them were helpless. But these two boys came from very different families. The first boy, named Daniel, was from a very rich family. The second boy, Collins, was from a very poor family. But on the day of their birth, you couldn't tell the rich boy from the poor boy. They were there naked and helpless. After that moment, their two lives went separate ways. In fact, on this earth, they never met again. Daniel was from a rich family. He was driven around in land cruisers by professional drivers. He attended private boarding schools. Eventually, he went to the UK and became a doctor. He was a world-famous surgeon. He traveled the world in luxury and eventually came home and lived a luxurious life in a jingano. Collins was a poor family. He never finished school. He eked out a living as a petty trader. Fifty years later, Dr. Daniel was rushing to attend to a patient at Corlebu when he had a massive heart attack and died on the spot. They carried Daniel's body to the mortuary at Corlebu. 
They took off his $500 European suit, his expensive gold watch, and his rings. And Daniel lay naked and helpless at the mortuary in Kurlebu. Coincidentally, Collins died on the same day. He was struck by a trotro and killed instantly. They also carried him to the mortuary at Korlebu. They took off his tattered knickers, his shalawates, and his two Ghana Sidi hand bangle. And they laid him next to Daniel, naked and helpless. And here they are again, 50 years later, naked, helpless, side by side at Korlebu. And you couldn't tell the rich man from the poor man. For naked we came into the world, and naked we will go, holding nothing, possessing nothing. And what happens in between is just a vapor, just a breath, just a moment in time. It's a wink. So what really matters? What makes you truly rich? What is wisdom? What does favor really look like? Because the instant you die, you lose everything. There's no court in this world that will acknowledge the right of ownership for a dead corpse. It may take time to settle. Maybe your family will fight over your property, but all your property instantly transfers to someone else at the moment of your death. That's why we write will and testament. So what really matters? What makes you wise? What makes you favorable? Daniel had three wives. He divorced them all. They were all contentious. In fact, in the last divorce case in court, the police had to intervene and separate Daniel from his third wife as she fought him for his money. He had a son he'd not spoken to for years. He had a daughter living in UK he hadn't seen for five years. He had three grandchildren he hardly knew. Collins left behind a son who was a pastor, a daughter who adored him, and a grandson named after him. He left behind a church family that gave God praise for his good deeds and a community that came out in the thousands at his funeral to honor him. Daniel died and faced his maker. He stood to give account and he was found guilty of adultery, murder, stealing, lying, and all kinds of wickedness, and he was sentenced to eternal judgment. Collins stood before his maker and the blood of Jesus had covered every sin and God began to tell him, well done, good and faithful servant, come into my presence. So Daniel and Collins, which man was truly wise? Which man was truly rich? Which man lived in the favor of God. For there are two places where every human being on the earth, president to pauper, are the same. In the maternity ward, naked and helpless, and in the cemetery, naked and helpless. And true lasting favor isn't measured by the material goods of this life. It's measured by our eternal reward. For favor doesn't come from earthly possessions and pleasure. Favor is an outcome of eternity-focused living. And wisdom dictates to all of us today to push the pause button on our lives and ask ourselves, am I wise or foolish? Am I aiming for favor or for failure? Am I trusting in my own power to succeed? Or am I trusting in the favor of God based as an outcome on my lifestyle? For if you see what God sees, you would do what God says. If you align with his thinking, you will act in accordance with his truth and you will advance 
God's agenda. That's why David taught us to pray these words in Psalms 90. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Lord, show us the temporary nature that everything we're chasing means nothing if it's only earthly. Let us have the wisdom to see what you see so we can do what you say and advance your agenda because then, then he prays, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. God, show me favor as I adjust myself to you. Let that favor cause me to be established. Establish the work of my hands. Make what I do last beyond this life. Make what I do store up treasure in heaven. Yes. Establish the work of our hands. That's how you become a wise man and how you get favor from God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? I invite everyone all across the auditorium to just say this simple prayer after me. Lord, Lord, help me to see, help me to see beyond the temporary pleasures, beyond the temporary pleasures and possessions of this life. And possession of this life. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to pursue, to pursue what truly matters. What truly matters. Give me wisdom that aligns with your thoughts. Give me wisdom that aligns with your thoughts. Give me wisdom that acts on your truth. Give me wisdom that acts on your truth. Give me wisdom that advances your agenda. Give me wisdom that advances your agenda. Show me your favor. Show me your favor. Let it rest on me. Let it rest on me. Let my life. Let my life be established in you. Be established for in all you. eternity. For all eternity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.